Hello everybody and welcome to Sound of Play. Every Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me, Leon Cox, for my first Sound of Play of the new year is composer Matthew Carlyle. Welcome to the show, Matthew. Hey there. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. So uh, I think it's fair to say that the games you write music for, or the, the certainly the ones we're featuring today, are pretty massive, but maybe not that well known among our english speaking listeners is that fair it's yeah it's pretty fair it's 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 wild cuz because the the market is so large in china they like yeah. they they don't even need to bring their games over here in the west even though they're like some of the most popular games in the entire world they like 
nobody's even heard of them over here. But they're they're wild though, and the productions on them are are really amazing, and they're really high quality games still. Yeah, I've been looking into it a bit, obviously, uh, in researching this show. And obviously, this this show is all about video games music. But I think, um, you know, obviously, people will hear these tunes and think, well, th- this is some fantastic work. Um, you know, uh, how, how do I get to play these games? Well, actually, the only way you can is learn. <laughs> I guess you can sign into the Apple Store or, or, or the, you know, one of the, the Google Store or whatever. Um, but you probably would need to learn, <laughs> learn the language. Um, these look very uh, in-depth and... Uh, uh, sort of complex tactical RPGs and things like that. Yeah, some of them. Uh, actually, a good amount of them are are MMO type. So, like Legend of Zhuanyan is yeah. um, that's an like a mobile MMO. Moonlight right. Blade is is the largest MMO in in China. So that that's a PC wow. game. And but but like Honor of Kings, that actually that's a mobile. Uh, uh, what do you what do you call it? Kind of like the the League of Legends style. Yes, MOBA a MOBA a MOBA game. yeah. Right. It, okay. it just came to the U.S. Uh, like two days ago, rather under the the name Honor or uh, Arena of Valor. They changed yes. the name, and it, yeah, it, yeah. I noticed there's a few, um, yeah, there's a few different translations and different names going about. So that's part of the um, the sort of the the maze <laughs> that one has to go through to, yeah. to find out. Um, so I've, obviously, uh, you sent me the tracks you wanted to feature through, and I've been doing some googling because obviously these games, you know, I'm, I'm a I'm a pretty hardcore and committed gamer of many many decades, but these games are, are pretty much new to me. Um, obviously, I am aware of them, but uh, but I'm now kind of yeah, I'm learning. But uh, they're, they're yeah, you you'll have to help help me and the listeners out but i'm i mean how did you get this gig because you see are you like the the one of the the most uh you know uh, frequent composers for this chinese uh, studio 10 cent games I, I i think there's a handful of them um but i i know like like thomas Parrish does a ton of stuff for them like neil acre does there's there's some other other uh really great composers okay. that they work with but but yeah for like the past two years i've just been doing doing a lot of work with them and they've been a lot of fun to work with so <laughs> Any particular reason why they um, seem to go with um, American or, or Western-based developers? Do you know why that is? Is it just a reputation for for these fantastic sort of you know epic orchestrated soundtracks? Or you know, I, th- I think that that is a large large thing to do with it. Our studios in Los Angeles, and they they hear that yeah. and they're like, oh, like a Los Angeles music company, like right, like we're gonna get some really high quality, awesome stuff from that. So I think that's a big part of it. And then two. Um, I have a really large instrument collection. I collect like tons of ethnic instruments and I see. I have like a guzhong and lots of and a pipa and lots of like Chinese ethnic instruments. So I'm <laughs> and I can play them so it it translates well when they want their the the traditional Chinese music sound in their music as well. That's really cool. So it's like uh, a lot. A lot of people have been saying for, I guess, the last few decades now uh, to kids at school and things like that. You know, if you're going to learn a language, don't don't learn Spanish, don't learn French, learn Chinese because you know that's oh, yeah. the way the world is going. And kind of you've done that in a musical sense by learning Chinese instruments. Yeah, sure, haven't done it in the linguistical sense though, but <laughs> sure wish I have. Yeah, you obviously uh, you obviously get get by though. Um, yeah, so the uh, the the grand opening uh, theme for this sound of play is actually the second anniversary theme. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were telling me that this is kind of your version or an adaptation of a, of a, t- a tune that already existed on this game by Thomas Parrish and Miles Hankins. Yeah, yeah. So there there were um, for Honor of Kings there were like two kind of main theme type tracks. There were there was uh, the one with this melody. And then Hans Zimmer, actually, Hans Zimmer's team, him and Lauren Balfe, wrote, wrote another oh. track. And uh, me and uh, the 
the audio director at uh, or the music director at at Timmy Studios, Sean, he uh, he wrote a version for the Hans Zimmer one, and I wrote a version for the one that Thomas Parrish and, and Miles wrote, and uh, and it, it was like it was supposed to be like just this kind of fun, more like cutesy adaptation of the music. Okay. And yeah, it was it was really cool. I, I like recorded a little bit of uh, of myself singing and then pitched it up so it sounded like boys choir and just did some guitar strumming ah. in there so it sounded kind of a little more like kind of bouncy and fun, you know. I was going to ask you about your productions because these all sound like you are not mucking about with these productions. These are these are big sounding tunes for a, a lot of this stuff, and I was wondering, you know, obviously these games, uh, you know, are played by a lot of people in China, but I don't know. And obviously, you know, you don't have to get into the nitty gritty, but like, is the, you know, are you sort of um, well funded for the recording of these? Do you get to work with orchestras or is this all in your own studio and and doing multi-instruments yourself and singing the choirs and, and all yeah. that sort of thing? Well, yeah, the, the majority of the stuff is um, usually it's like the, the bulk of the work is samples and then yeah. I'll record as much as I can. Like I'll put my voice on almost everything I'll do. And then right. um, I, I record, I, I play winds, so I'll record lots of winds, guitars, stuff like that. We'll bring in individual soloists pretty often for yeah. for tracks and stuff. Uh, but but yes, every once in a while we'll, we'll, we'll get to record with orchestra, which is great. Uh, I, I know we're going to play a track from, um, from King of Chaos, and we actually got to just a couple weeks ago go to... Uh, Salt Lake City and record a bunch of stuff for that with a full orchestra. So that ah, was rad. Nice, yeah. I still, I, I've, I've said this before on this show, and um, we've had, uh, we've had a, a friend of the show on uh, more than once, a, a guy called Ruben Cornell who works for uh, composers for TV and, and things like that, and he also um, does a podcast where he reviews and a video cast where he reviews sound libraries uh, that you composer guys use, and I'm, I'm somebody with, with no composing skill talent whatsoever or knowledge um but i always say because it, it, it we have this sort of ongoing thing where he says that uh, sound libraries are now almost in, indistinguishable from the real thing but i always feel like i can still tell where there's where there's a real orchestra being employed and i did think that that track sounded more like it had some uh, some extra organic kind of um and and that particular timbre or or echo or whatever it is that that quality that a real set of instruments kind of brings to it Oh yeah, there's a, there's like a weird uh, a weird thing about it. Like you know, I, I'm young enough to where I, when I was like learning like writing for orchestra and stuff, I there were sample libraries and stuff already available and everything. So I yeah. so I started with writing for samples and stuff. And then the yeah, first time yeah. I heard my stuff played by real musicians, I'm like, wow, this doesn't sound very good. <laughs> then, yeah. But but it's like but there's like that this weird appreciation where it's like the the fidelity of the samples is so there and everything is like is really clear but then when you hear the real thing at first you're like oh well it's not so clear but then but there's mm. like a quality to it that can't be replaced there's like a weird emotional mm. human thing mm. that it's just like once it is done by real stuff it's just it's like magical like but like it's but there is a weird thing when you when you're hearing it only on yeah. samples and then you hear it sounding totally different in the real world you're like whoa this is this, is this even the, the same music and then, and yeah yeah slightly but, less kind of pristine and perfect i suppose in some ways yeah but that's but that's what's like that's what's so Human cool about it. it yeah that's what gives it yeah. the really emotional powerful quality mm. so uh, honor of kings i understand as well as being uh, most of the games we're talking about are uh, mainly uh, mobile games ios and android but um, honor of kings is coming to or has come to nintendo switch as well oh yeah i i believe early next year i don't know if they've announced an official date but yeah it should be coming to the switch that'll be that'll be fun 
Will that be world, worldwide, do we think, given that the Switch is kind of a, a hit everywhere? Mind you, I suppose that's true of I, mobile I, devices as well. I'm sure that's true. Uh, Honor, or, uh, Arena Valor came out like everywhere else in the world, I think almost a year ago. And yeah. then it just came out in the US like two days ago. So I, I assume, uh-huh. I don't know if they'll do another staggered thing like that where they'll release it elsewhere on the Switch and then here, but I, I'm not sure. But Cool. There's going to be a lot of translation to do with, with games like this, obviously, and localization in, in particular, if there's if there's if they, if they have a certain amount of text in and, and whatever else. So mm-hmm. uh, interesting. Right. So uh, you being a composer, what we do when, when we have composer guests on is uh, we also ask uh, our guests to pick some of their favorite tunes by other composers from the world of video games. Uh, I assume you're at least something of a gamer. Oh, yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah, <laughs> I almost not worth asking but you never know <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I was just saying like yeah like the, the games thing was like I, I did a little bit of film in my early years as a professional composer out of like necessity but still like forever like it was from like my freshman year of high school I'm like I want to be a game composer like I didn't care about film at all I was like video right. games for sure so. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, we get into that stage now where uh, where that that is a uh, that is the career path that that younger people will have uh, will have taken. Uh, I'm I'm of an age where when I was at school, and this is true, there was one computer in the whole school. It was uh, a 32k BBC Model B computer, and it was shared out among you know like how many hundreds of students there were you'd get maybe like 20 minutes on it a week or something like that <laughs> so, <laughs> that was the 1980s for you so um but yeah i'm really glad you've picked this next track because this is from the uh, much maligned oft kind of ignored third installment in the dead space uh, which, series which is sad because I, I it's actually not bad is it it's not a bad game no i i, I mean de- the dead space series is one of my favorite series of all time yeah but three I especially liked three. I felt the storytelling oh, really? was, okay. was was specifically strong, and there was just such cool atmospheric moods. And it was the the one game that had like a real score to like music, like like of course one and two were, was awesome. Like Jason Graves did really cool things with all the aleatory with the strings and stuff, and mm. really spooky stuff. But like yeah, but like three was like beautiful. You know, there was like these mm. really like spooky beautiful moments in the game. I. I really liked it, and this track specifically was like a really impactful moment when I, uh, like, you you boot up the game, and the first scene, you know, it's like snow everywhere, and you're freezing, and you're on some foreign planet, and this just spooky string ostinato is playing, and yeah, it's it's just a really cool feeling that I distinctly remember.
So that was 200 Years Ago, On an Icy Planet, by Jason Graves, and possibly input from James Hannigan. I don't know what the, the relationship there for that game was, whether it was separate pieces or whether they uh, got together for compositions on... Uh, maybe maybe that sort of says something about why the, the audio direction was somewhat different on that game. Maybe yeah. that was one of the things that people didn't like so much about it. Not I'm not saying the music, but as in the sense that it... Uh, went for something more I think that the whole tone was although it obviously still had huge horror elements it did feel more like a kind of space opera shoot em up with horror elements rather than a survival horror in space and I think maybe people didn't want that from that series plus there was also some controversy around some microtransactions as I recall no, uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, which you didn't have to get involved with uh, as because I, I played that I, I reviewed this for a site back in 2013 and I gave it a reasonably positive review but I did feel like yeah from my point of view after the, the like the second one seemed seemed to be uh, like the obvious refinement of the first one in some ways um, they both you know both had lots to commend them but then yeah I don't know I, I don't know what it was it, it was a it was an odd kind of drop-off because I don't think I think you're right I don't think there was like an obvious plummet in quality for the third installment it was just people didn't seem to take to it for whatever reason yeah yeah I'm not sure it, I think my perception might be different with it too because I actually started with three I was a bad guy I started with three and then ah. I went back and played one and two well well context is we often talk about on our other podcast uh Kane and Rince where we review games in depth uh we often talk about how how important and relevant context is both in terms of yeah when you played them in your life when you played them in relation to other games when you played them in terms of the generations of of machines and things like that so every, it all has it all has an impact and yeah if if it's it's like the you know we often say that people's first Zelda or first Mario tends to be their favorite Zelda or Mario um, because it's the one that has the most impact and, and the, therefore the strongest memories. So totally. that might be something in that. Uh, anyway, listeners, we did cover uh, Dead Space 1 and Dead Space 2 in a podcast back way back in 2012, I think, in issue nine of that podcast. We did actually discuss covering Dead Space 3 for the current volume of shows, uh, which you now know, but hasn't been. So I could talk about it on here because it has been announced by the time you hear this. Mm, interesting. So you'll know that uh, we won't be doing Dead Space 3 this year, but that's not to say that we won't do it in the future. Uh, so our next piece is from our guest, composer Matthew Carlyle, over there in L.A. And uh, this is from, uh, how do you pronounce this, Legend of Juan Juan? Yeah, Juan Yan. Juan Juan Yan, yeah. Something, uh, yeah. something like that. You know, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm not Chinese, so don't ask no, me. No, sure. Uh, so this is another uh, big uh, Tencent um, developed uh, mobile game for iOS and Android. Again, massive in uh, in. Eastern Asia, particularly in China, do these games go as far as do they? They go further than China, or is it just they just exist in China? Unless we obviously we've talked about some localizations, but is, that's where they the name and everything says China. Yes, yes. Some of them get around. Um, I'm I'm not. I think this one is is only China, especially because some of these games, a lot of these little mobile games, they uh they're like specifically about like ancient Chinese lore or like right. lo loosely based on them at least. Yes. So, yeah. and they, they feel like that interests the culture and propels the culture and they really like that kind of stuff. So they, they try to keep those within, within China, but they're, they're awesome games. Like this is a crazy game. Like 
<laughs> the the PvP matches are like yeah. Alteric Valley. They're like they're fifty versus fifty, and then there's like a boss, and like the fifty players on one team has to kill the boss on the other. It's like crazy hmm. scale for being a mobile game. Like wow. it's outrageous. I had a look at uh, yeah, I've had a look at some screens and things like that, and it does it looks it looks pretty full on, pretty hardcore. Um, but yeah, the presentation, everything, and and obviously as we're hearing from your music here, these are these are not kind of um, <laughs> these are not tin pot low budget affairs. These are proper, you know, just just because maybe us and our kind of English speaking audience uh, for the most part aren't familiar with these games. These are you know these are proper proper video games. Um, yeah, tell us a bit about this track that we're about to hear, Into the Fire. Yeah, so it's um, it takes place in a battleground, in like one of the specific battlegrounds, and the scene is like really dark. Like, yeah, the interesting about this thing about this game is there's like a really broad like sense of like emotions where like mm-hmm. some of the things are like really dark and evil and like demonic, and then some right. of the things are like incredibly beautiful and like what you think when you think of like you know, like beautiful ancient Chinese like architecture and, and mm-hmm. cities and stuff like that. And you, you see a lot of that stuff, but then you you see a lot of this like crazy demonic stuff. This is pretty demonic. And then and there's a <laughs> and there's a there's a a moment in this track because it, it's actually uh three intensities bound into one track just to make one complete thing. But in yeah. the battleground there is um it goes and it plays plays a track, and then when the the final boss on the other team spawns, actually, it switches mm. to a, to a new intensity. When you start fighting that boss, it yeah. goes to a different intensity, and then when he's almost dead, it switches to a totally new track, and then plays like an outro when you kill the boss and stuff. And then there's like nice. a win or lose stinger and stuff. But but yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, and and because the the scale is so huge, we didn't want to like just do like normal battle music, just like percussion and stuff they wanted like you know big like like crazy orchestral stuff with the choir and and everything it's like yeah. end of the world music you know
So that's our guest, Matthew Carlyle, with Into the Fire from the legend of Xuan Yuan. Yuan? Yeah. Yuan. <laughs> so yeah. Apologies for my pronunciation. Hopefully I'm not offending too many Chinese-speaking uh, listeners. Uh, hopefully this uh, all about these games and this music is, is as much of an education to our listeners as it is to me. So w- when you get the, uh, the, the sort of... Um, do you get notes for? Do you get detailed and uh, sort of explanation as to the scene you're composing for? Do they? How much of the sort of surrounding lore do they fill in, or is it? You know, are you given pictures or art or animation or, or what? How how does it work? Because it, obviously you don't speak Chinese, so you can't sort of play the games on that level. <laughs> yeah, no, it 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 depends. Sometimes we get very 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 detailed stuff. Like they'll send a whole whole story thing. They'll give us like character synopsises and um right and and like video of of the scene and stuff like that and that's all like really helpful other times sometimes things are like super rushed they'll send like a picture and be like go Mm. and then then (laughs) but sometimes that's cool because then like i have like a lot of a lot of freedom with stuff but this this was um this was like somewhere in the middle they sent like some video and they're like hey this is some really intense stuff this is what Mm. we want the music to do we want it to get more and more intense as like each stage in the in the PVP match, like increases and stuff and go. And I was like, all right, cool. This is some really intense evil stuff. And I, uh, I already wrote a ton of music for the game by, by the time I, I got to this track. So there were some right. themes from, yeah. from like the, the, the main title and from the, the main city in the game that I was able to like put into the PVP track to, you know, make it a little more cohesive and stuff like that. But yeah, so you had a palette to work from kind of thing um, that was already established. Also, I wonder, th- this is uh, something I've sort of spoken to uh, quite a few composers we've had on about, particularly those who uh, end up doing a lot of work in, in the mobile space, is do you kind of get a sense of uh, how many people play kind of with earbuds in or headphones in actually you know with the music cranked up or how many people are listening through what you know their tinny internal speaker or haven't got the sound on at all does that bother you the fact that maybe a a large percentage aren't really getting the full kind of impact from this sort of fairly lavish work that you're putting together i mean well well, the thing is people are going to play games how they're going to play games i'm not going to tell people like they they have to play a game this way to enjoy the game but i mean it's cool when people turn on the music and the sound to, to appreciate the work and the, the stuff. Yeah. But, but, um, I mean, honestly, these games, like it's such an afterthought to me that these are even mobile games. Cause they're so high quality yeah. and so like yeah. in depth that I'm just like, wow. But like the, some of the more casual games and I have done it with them and a, and a lot of Western developers and stuff. Like we do think mm. very heavily about, about that. Like we're specifically like, uh, Oh, will this sound good playing out of a mono speaker? Like, will there be phase yes. issues? Like, is there too much low end energy? Is there too much high end energy? Because then that'll come out really yeah. piercing out of the phone and stuff like yeah. that. So, yeah, no, that's what, yeah, it always seems really interesting to me. And also, the the thing that I, I always think, I mean, you know, we we have this podcast and we have a certain amount of listeners, and you know, that sometimes you get a, a a note or something from you know an email from somebody in some far flung land, and that's always really wonderful. But you must have some kind of crazy sense of how many millions of people like listening to your music over and over again on a daily basis that must be sort of quite awe-inspiring in some ways oh it's very cool and and uh we we've gone to china to like visit tencent and netties and a couple of our developers that we work with out there and uh it's like it's so cool like it it always hits us because we know these are these are really big companies like 
yeah. like Tencent and NetEase. They're like some of the largest companies in the world. But yeah. we go over there to China and go to their studios, like, and it, it's just like mind blowing. You don't see stuff like that over over here in America where what they have over there it's just crazy the scale of everything and it's like it's like incredibly humbling when you're walking up and going to yeah. like the 20th floor of a game studio you know and you're like what where am I like this is and they've so- all heard your music over and over again probably as well haven't they when yeah, they've been testing it or whatever yeah it's pretty surreal so <laughs> that sounds amazing uh, so obviously you're uh, keeping uh, your your finger on the pulse when it comes to uh, games being developed elsewhere uh, and playing them. Uh, and of course, one of the, the biggest games of the last two or three years was uh, From Software's Bloodborne. We covered this on our other podcast back in issue 250, which is just over a year ago now. Check it out if you want, Matthew. Check out our oh, podcast. Yeah, totally. Two hours of Bloodborne chat in depth. Um, so uh, this piece, I don't think we featured on Sound of Play before, and this is The Hunter. Why did you particularly pick this one by Ryan Amon because it's just the coolest track ever <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> that's, so, that's a perfect reason it's <laughs> just so cool one of our, our previous employees at our company gave me a, a CD sampler of PlayStation 4 music and this is before I played any Dark Souls game any Bloodborne any anything like that and yeah. I, they gave me the CD and it had all these just different cool stuff on it like Uncharted and then track 4 was was The Hunter and I like put it in my in my car and I was listening and I got to track four and I never heard anything after track four. I just had the hunter on loop on a loop like, <laughs> like for my hour and a half drive back to my house. And then I'm like, wow, I just have to play this game. So I so then I that made me go out and buy Bloodborne and play Bloodborne. Yeah. And I was just floored by the, the whole game and the whole music. And it was just it was so insane. <laughs> it was have so you gone cool. back. Have you gone back to the other Souls games yeah. uh, or, you know, Dark Souls, uh, Demon Souls, anything like that? Yeah, I have been going now. I'm, I'm on three, Dark Souls 3 now. Right. It, it is just really hard. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, yep. I'm on Pontiff Sullivan. He's he's a tough dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so have you had any communication with, with Ryan Amon or, or any of the other? Because it's a slightly odd soundtrack, Bloodborne, in that it's not one or two per- person's work. It was, it's like a, a sort of multiple composers both japanese and american isn't it i think yeah, possibly even some british i'm not sure but uh i don't know yeah. I, don't, I don't know any of the composers personally but i mean no. every, everybody just did an awesome job every yeah. track on that album is just incredible it's so cool yeah absolutely all right let's hear the hunter
course, you'll recognise that, listeners, from from Software's Bloodborne from 2015 now. Still awaiting news of a sequel or something. They haven't even done a PS4 Pro 4K patch for that game for some reason, which is a bit disappointing. Uh, but yes, as I said, you can check out the Kane and Rinse podcast on Bloodborne. And that was uh, the fourth track in this show that's been put together for us by our guest, Matthew Carlow. And... The next track we have is another of his, of course, and this is another beautiful one from the game known as King of Chaos, which is also a uh, a, a song by a, a British artist called Julian Cope from about 30 something <laughs> years ago. Um, but no relation. So this is also by uh, Tencent over in China. And is another a mobile game, and I guess the like you were saying, I, I completely understand what you're saying. Like the fact that they're mobile games is, we we tried to be a, a format agnostic podcast generally in the sense that it's all about the games. Like the platform they're on is kind of largely irrelevant. Obviously, in the old days, it it used to have more of a uh, a sort of. Um, an effect of, of how they would turn out in terms of the graphical capabilities. And that's kind of less and less relevant. Obviously, the interface is going to be instructed and informed by the fact that it's a, it's, it's a tablet or a, or a phone game. But actually, I, I, I assume the reason that these games are mobile games in China is because it's just the biggest platform. It's just the easiest way of getting it to, available to the most people. Um, well, if, yeah, I guess, there was a... Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not sure the extent of it, but there was there's some sort of console ban in China, like certain there, game consoles that's right. banned, and that's why PC and uh, and mobile is so popular. Absolutely, I believe they've just started to relax that uh, yeah. as sort of things are, are moving on uh, in terms of sort of aligning certain elements of commercialism, commercialization with with the rest of the world and stuff. Yeah, I think they are allowing. I can't. Remember, I shared a news story the other day on our Facebook page about. A console or something becoming available in China. So, yeah, I guess it's going to happen, which yeah. I guess will obviously, as we said earlier, Honor of Kings is coming to Switch and maybe maybe more of these games will come to other consoles and then that will lead the way to them getting localized and, you know, translated at least into English, you know, one of the other most spoken languages in the world and, and maybe, you know, maybe some of the Indian languages and things like that. I mean, who knows? This company's already worth, I looked up something like uh, 30 37 billion yuan or something like that which is an insane amount of uh, insane amount of cash um yeah there and and uh, you've already said Matthew that you've been to the the studios i ma- i imagine i'm imagining in my head some incredibly sort of gigantic and plush uh, building i hope you know i, hope, I think I, that's I, that's dollars by the way i think, I think it's, oh okay yeah i that, think that, it's yeah it's that much money that makes sense <laughs> it's a lot yeah yeah, yeah. Um, are they are these generally free to play and then uh, in game in app purchases? Do you know, or are they are yeah. they buy buy them yeah. and play them? Yeah, I th- I think um, I, I th- yeah I think all of them are actually free to play. I I'm not a hundred percent on Legend of Zhuanyan, but I, right. I know like Moonlight Blade is free to play MMO and and mm. and stuff like that. So, mm. so yeah, the, tell us a bit about this one. This is the Imperial City uh, Winter, and it absolutely has that uh, that that sense to it so yeah tell us how you put this track together yeah i wrote uh maybe like like 30 minutes of music for this game over the last year and uh it, it was done pretty much like the, the whole game and we had everything set and i had an imperial city theme and 
the game was really cool. And we just did a couple individual live instruments, but no live orchestra or anything. Mm. But then they came and they're like, hey, we want to do a, a set of music for like seasonal things. We want to do like a winter set of music and a spring yeah. set of music for Chinese New Year. And I'm like, whoa, that's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. And, and I've already been writing some Christmas music and I love writing like Christmas themed music. So I'm like, oh, cool. They, they were specific. This isn't like Christmas themed music, but you know, like no. holiday-ish winter. You can hear you can hear a little sense of that in there. Yeah, yeah the of course. Sort of the chimes and the yeah, but, tinkly noises. <laughs> but it was cool. We, we got to go. Um, this was just like, three weeks ago and then it's our the game's it's already added into the game it was a really quick yeah. turnaround but wow. we, but we were in in salt lake city utah and we got to record a full orchestra uh for the for the winter and spring music and that was really fun and actually kind of a neat thing right when we uh woke up on the day uh to go to the recording studio for the first session to record the winter stuff uh it was the first day of snowfall oh, in, in salt lake so perfect. we woke up and there was snow everywhere it was it was kind magical. of a magical moment, yeah. So, but that was a ton of fun. And I... Beautiful. Okay, let's hear the winter version of The Imperial City by our guest Matthew Carl Earl.
So that's from King of Chaos, which presumably also has uh, a, a Chinese name that sounds somewhat different, but I won't even attempt. I'm going to try to pronounce it. Ready? Oh, go for it. Luan Shi Wang Zhe. <laughs> nice. They have, well, I guess yeah, they've been exposed to it. Yeah, that's that's my best pronunciation, but <laughs> good good effort, uh, appreciated. Yeah, so that's uh, another. Yeah, it's a brand new piece. Um, yeah, so do you get uh, how much um, sort of how many minutes of music do you say you end up doing for each of these kind of games for ten cent? And and are there soundtrack CDs and things available in China or digital downloads of the music or can you get those anywhere? Yeah, well, actually, so yeah, some of it's available in in China, but we're actually talking right now with a couple different labels on bringing some of these games to do like U.S. soundtrack releases, which would be really awesome. So yeah, so fingers crossed for that. And yeah. then um, as for the the quantity of music, it's it's a total like it it depends entirely. Some of the games you know, have like a ton of composers. So I'll just yes. be contributing like a couple minutes here. Like some games I've written less than 10 minutes of music for. And then mm. games like Moonlight Blade, I've written almost four hours of music for. So it's like, wow. it, it changes. But then Moonlight Blade 2, I'm one of many, many composers on that game as well. So there's just tons of music in that game. So You need a, like a 10 disc vinyl. Or something oh yeah, like it would be that. insane if you wanted to release a complete soundtrack. <laughs> I guess it would sell. I'm, I'm, you know, no doubt there are obsessional fans of these games over in China uh, who would love to. I mean, is do you know? Is there is there like other merch? You know, um, figures and t-shirts and you know yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure they sell figurines and stuff. They definitely have like certain things. Like I have a I have a Moonlight Blade mouse pad, and I have a, right. I, have a I have a Moonlight Blade uh, plush of one of the characters there, up on my go. up on my shelf by my desk. But, inspiring you yeah yeah so so yeah, i think they do have some merch <laughs> fantastic yeah definitely soundtracks need to be done right i'm so happy you picked this next piece so i know this game very very well uh we covered it on our other podcast back in issue 156 uh diddy kong racing now this is actually a piece that uh, I'm, yeah i'm glad you picked it because it was one i hadn't really thought about like when i think back to the diddy kong racing music i remember certain pieces in particular uh particularly the the winter wonderland ripoff one um <laughs> and uh and the the famous uh the the fiery uh curry top mountain one whatever it's called mm. uh the insane the insane um indian sounding music um but this one is incredibly nostalgic but it's nostalgic of 20 years ago when the game came out and i was playing it but it was nostalgic even then it sounds like childhood this this particular track greenwood village is that is that what it does for you oh you must yeah have been very young when this came out <laughs> oh yeah i love it yeah the game came out in 97 so i was four <laughs> right but, but uh, perfect age <laughs> but I, I probably got around to playing the game by the time i was seven or eight but i do i do remember really liking the music in that one it was really cool i would race on the same the same uh on the greenwood village map like a million times just to just to hear the music i thought it was really cool and then i actually like just maybe two or three months ago i pulled out my n64 and a standard definition tv and i played through the whole game again cool. oh wow <laughs> and, and i got to greenwood village and it, it reminded me and i was like oh yeah this is like the best piece of music ever <laughs> and like this is super cool <laughs> and uh and it also like it has like really close similarities to uh to a band i really like from finland called fintroll and, ah. and i and i was just really wondering like 
if like Henry Servali, who's the composer for the band, like if he took any inspiration from from this track, because there's a lot of really interesting parallels from this track mm. to some of their songs. And it's just it's just really cool. And and David Wise is just an awesome composer. Everything he does is so cool. Agreed. Yeah. Let's hear it. Greenwood Village. <laughs> Greenwood Village from Diddy Kong Racing from the N64 and there was a DS port but probably don't bother with that one uh, from 1997 and as I say we covered that quite some time ago on the Cane and Rinse podcast you can still listen to that via the website or Apple uh, podcasts or wherever else uh, and gosh yes I always have to mention when we whenever we talk about Diddy Kong Racing that not only did I get all 47 gold balloons but I also got all 47 platinum balloons which Ooh. were the, the which were the the really the really uh hard mirrored ones and yeah it was just but the, some of those silver coin challenges eh man <sighs> and yeah. pig yeah there was i can't remember the one map that one of those silver coin challenges i was getting so mad i think it might have been might one be of, this one it, it, <laughs> it, it, it i think it was there was the one with uh when the the boss is chasing you or when you're chasing uh. the boss yeah, uh, every boss that in that game really is tough. evil. Yeah, it's evil, and um, the dragon, I, realize, I, yeah. I 
Yeah, I ended up buying. Uh, I ended up rebuying it because I think I, I sold. I completed it or nearly completed it, and then got frustrated and sold it, and then rebought it and uh, and did it all properly this time. And uh, I, re- I realized that the the key was releasing the accelerator before hitting the zip pads. That oh. like basically yeah. solves the game for you. That, yeah, I, I played through the whole game and I got to the final match with with Whizpick before you unlock all the extra stuff. But you know, like yeah, the, TT and everything. Yeah, the the final. Drumstick the mm. the final whiz pig match and you're and you have to beat him in the race and i tried oh, that yeah. maybe a hundred million times and just kept <laughs> failing and then i i found the the trick to the green boost thing and yes. it was just a totally different game and i was like game where changer. was this the last week of my life <laughs> like yeah it's such a weird it's such a weird little thing that and yeah it it like get, getting that timing down is completely transformative and i still find myself doing it in other games with similar things so like i, I, I you know i'll be playing wipeout um, uh, on ps4 and i'm still thinking what maybe if i release the accelerator just before i hit the zippy thing i'll go a bit faster and playing mario kart 8 dx and thinking maybe if i release the but no only diddy kong racing had that weird quirk as far as i can recall the, the interesting uh, but, the interesting thing I've, I've always noticed about like old games versus new games like that is I don't remember Diddy Kong Racing ever telling you that that was even a thing. Oh, like, no. And and like every new game, you know, instructs you for every little secret. Oh, you have to do this to, to, to yeah. you know, get the secret or whatever. In the old, old games, like Legends of Zelda, like Ocarina of Time and stuff, there's like all those extra things to find and stuff. And there mm. is just no indication like the big Goron sword. I did that recently. And I'm like, how did I yeah. figure this out as an eight yeah. year old kid? Like this is insane. You found the premium rate tips line yeah. uh, or, or you waited for a magazine yeah. uh, to, to come out and tell you everything. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, I mean, I think maybe we're heading back towards that philosophy somewhat. I think we've seen in recent times with things like the souls games and also oh, yeah. uh, breath of the wild, we're, we're seeing a bit more, kind of leaving it up to players to find stuff out and obviously knowing that with all the streaming and internet sharing and stuff that's going on everyone will work everything out within 24 hours of it coming out anyway so <laughs> i can't remember if that tip for the zippy things was in the manual maybe it might have given you a little hint but i'm yeah who read the manual you know yeah yeah <laughs> and of course now we don't have manuals everyone's like oh i really miss having manuals but you, you never read them anyway yeah, I'm pretty sure I, I, I stole my uh, Diddy Kong Racing from a Blockbuster rental, like maybe 20 years ago, so. <laughs> oh, that's an admission. Yeah. Uh, sorry, uh, do you still have Blockbusters over there? They're nearly all gone here. Oh, they're all gone. gone here, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Different times. Now, uh, track seven is another one by our guest, Matthew. This is from Moonlight Blade, and the title is? <laughs> Guyan Nanfei, I, I believe Simple it's as pronounced. That. Simple as that. Uh, well, you wrote it, so uh, I'll definitely go with that. Uh, so, yeah, tell us about this uh, track. Uh, this one was, like, really interesting, and, and the reason I picked this one out is because it's really unique in Moonlight Blade, where Moonlight Blade is, like, a fairly cheery game. It's, like, incredibly mm-hmm. beautiful, like, takes place in, like, fantasy version of ancient china but all the locations Mm. in the world are actual places in china but they're just like done up really fantasy like and it's a super beautiful game and there's lots of traditional chinese stuff but this was a really important cutscene. it was the end of like a of a like kind of a an act in the game so it kind of wrapped up a story and these two brothers meet each other and they like it's it's it's, yeah it's a cutscene. the two brothers meet each other and the one is kind of 
kind of gone to the dark side, basically. And the other one is like, you know, come back to the light, basically. And, uh, mm. and, uh, and then he's like, no. And then they start fighting forever. And it's like pretty emotional. And they stop. The good brother ends up besting the evil brother and says, like, stop. You don't need to do this. Like, join me. And then he he's like, no. And he turns around and just starts walking away all wounded. And then he's killed by an assassin. And then his mm. brother runs and grabs him and holds him while he, like, dies on the ground. And it's just, like, a really cool emotional scene. And it's raining. And it's, like, it's just kind of heavy. So so I, <laughs> I, it just had a lot of emotional weight. So Let's hear it. Gu Yan Nan Fei.
emotional scenes from Moonlight Blade, Gu Yan Nanfei, by our guest Matthew Carlyle. And uh, remind us which uh, which genre does Moonlight Blade exist in? For as again, because many of our listeners won't be familiar with uh, these massive in China games. You mean the genre is the music genre? Uh, no, the game genre. Oh, it's a, a multi. It's an MMO. MMO. This is the MMO. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, and is this one you said there's like hours and hours and hours of uh, music? So it, presumably it's a huge old game. Oh yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Just this year I've written almost two hours of music for it. So and wow, it's, in total about four hours. So they keep expanding it, presumably, like you know, oh, yeah. as we we know from World of Warcraft. So do you know what, uh, what year did uh, the first kind of iteration or, or first release of Moonlight Blade come out? You know, I think it came out in early access. Um, 2015. I'm, right. I'm almost positive on that one. But then they they've done other releases like that, and I I, I don't know if they've even done like an official release because I think there's there's some something about like the the tax where they're not supposed to like release a game so they can really ah, access. So it's like it's like a they did like a soft launch type thing, but it's definitely ah. out. And they they have like expansions like we just did an expansion this year called Moonlight o- Over the Sea where they added all this mm. cool island stuff and we got to have like indonesian-esque instruments and stuff like that yeah it's a whole new world to to look into but uh yeah hopefully some of these fantastic games will get yes so at least translated or something so we so we can we can all play them and experience them uh that said mmos massive time sink and uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. who's got the time uh now your uh, your final pick i should say from uh by other composers is probably I would say our most requested composer by other composers if you see what I mean uh, Martin O'Donnell also possibly involving Michael Salvatore and you've also ticked another box here We I can't remember if we featured this track before but even if we have of course it's absolutely fine um, one of the other things that we talk about on Sound of Play a lot is the lack of saxophone in video game music oh, yeah. um, and this this piece has uh, yeah, some some prominent saxophone that was commented on by, by players of Halo 3 ODST back in 2009 because we hadn't heard the like really it was uh, suddenly we were playing this spin-off this uh, side story from halo or halo 3 uh, we weren't the master chief and saxophones were playing um so is it particularly the music or did, did were you sold on the whole kind of atmosphere of of odst the whole thing i, I yeah i i uh my parents i was like probably like 14 or something when that game came out 15 and uh my my parents were on a date night and i called my dad i'm like hey dad can you go by Blockbuster and, and pick up uh, uh, ODST on your way home? He's like, yeah, sure. I'm like, sweet, thank you. And he brought it back, and I just played the whole game that night. Like, mm. <laughs> I just beat the entire thing in that night, and it was just so cool. The fact that you weren't Master Chief, and it was just yeah. this almost like mystery thing. You were going around trying to find out what happened to your team, and it was just really sad and, and raining. You see an elite, and he's like a million feet tall, and you're like, no, my gosh, it's super scary, and you try to like sneak around him and avoid him and stuff. I, the whole experience was super cool, and then how the music was was really mellow with the piano and the, the saxophone, but it wasn't super jazz. It was like it was almost yeah. like classical saxophone. It was It was just beautiful. I really loved it. Yeah, absolutely. This is Rain, Deference for Darkness from Halo 3 ODST.
That's another game we covered back in issue 189 of the Kane Rinse podcast, Halo 3 ODST. In fact, we did the whole Halo series, of course, although we've still yet to do five. There just isn't that much enthusiasm among the team, I'm afraid to say. But who knows, we might cap that series off one day. We've now got so many series kind of on the go, and that's one of them. Dead Space, another, we mentioned earlier. Uh, yeah, I really like that piece, and uh, I mean... Yeah, who isn't a fan of uh, of Martin O'Donnell's Halo music? We uh, we also featured a piece from the album. Uh, this is uh, recently we uh, Steve Kirk came on and um, picked a piece from his album, which is from a forthcoming game, Gollum, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is something I've never quite uh, I've never seen before. I don't think in the industry where a composer's written music for a game like to kind of. Um, set up the the tone and the and the and the themes for for a forthcoming game, but um, that was a really wonderful piece that that he wow. shared on here. So yeah, worth checking out. Um, obviously, his relationship with Bungie uh, ended seemingly acrimoniously, which is always a shame. Um, but I understand that uh, there's some great music in the new Destiny, even if the game is upsetting some people. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, so Martin O'Donnell is is he so oh, working out your age here? So you must have been really young when the first Halo came out. Um, oh, but I played it. I I was going to say you. Yeah. yeah, I bet you played it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, was it. was that maybe one of the composers that um you're one of the you know soundtracks that was kind of you know in, inspired you towards thinking this is this is what I wanted to do oh. compose for video games. Oh, definitely. And like, and it took me so long to admit that like. I just loved like cheesy like '80s sounds. It took me so yeah. long to admit that. I, <laughs> I think like I was probably like 17. It took me that long, but I I always loved it. Like when the Halo stuff went into the groovy like boop 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 boop. Like I just like I was I knew inside that I really loved it, but I felt guilty to admit it. And then finally, I'm like, this is just so cool. <laughs> and like <laughs> like yeah, so. Yeah, you did a really cool job on the on the games. The fact it's mixed with like just the kind of Irish sound with like the really beautiful piano yeah. stuff and then like 80s like synth stuff like it's mm. just a, it's so cool. It's a really interesting blend. Yeah, I guess uh I guess Martin O'Donnell's probably nearer to my age. And what's interesting I find about 80s sounds is that I yeah, I was there listening to pop music in the 80s and I thought I hated you know I hated lots of it. it it just all it sounded so tacky and overproduced and um you know uh, synthetic and and naff and bubble perms and hairspray and terrible jackets and 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 at the time it, it wasn't that appealing and yet when I hear it now, it's like, oh my God, this sounds so different. It sounds amazing now. It's like some of these ideas of production and stuff, they've completely gone and we've moved on. And actually, I think music's changed a lot less in the last 20 years than it did in the previous 20 or 30, um, partly to, to do with technology or, or maybe the change is, is more subtle. Um, and now you, you hear stuff from the 80s and it just sounds so of its time. And it, it makes perfect sense that uh, obviously lots of people who are as my age or similar who are, you know, able to make things who can now be creative and have a budget like the Duffer Brothers making Stranger Things um, and some of these other kind of films we've seen with 80s sort of sounding soundtracks like It, it Follows with the Disaster Piece soundtrack and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um it it really it works for me both as a nostalgia piece but also as a um yeah as actually a a, a nice homage to a to 
something that I did I just didn't appreciate at the time it just seemed it was just what was happening at the time and sometimes I think you need that distance and and age to kind of appreciate what was going on that oh, yeah. said I'd still rather listen to early 70s Stevie Wonder than mid 80s Stevie Wonder I mean, <laughs> you know I mean that's just that's just really bad there's still lots of awful stuff from the 80s but there are yeah there are certain certain records now which sounded like tacky as heck <laughs> in 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 the 80s that are now definitely cool oh yeah um, but it's interesting De- to hear that from someone obviously considerably younger than me <laughs> yeah like like Def Leppard's Hysteria right like, <laughs> like I I like never told anybody that was on my iPod I never <laughs> I never told anybody that I listened to Love Bites on repeat for for <laughs> for like 20 minutes and but wow. now like the album's framed on on my wall in my room with I've got a bunch of albums that I really like and and Hysteria's up there I still think it's one of the best sounding records that's like ever been made even though it was even in the 80s I think the fidelity is so strong and it sounds massive for like what it is and uh, and dare I say, you know, I'm thinking about hair rock, and uh, I've, I've seen your photo, Matthew. You, you, you <laughs> you're ro- you're rocking some uh, some some good hair there. Well, appreciate it. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so remember, listeners, please venture over to our forum, canarince.com slash forum, or you can follow us on Twitter at canarince. Use the hashtag sound of play if you want. Make a request. Facebook.com slash canarince. You can uh, choose your favourites from the history of the video game soundtrack medium, and we'll continue to include a selection in the playlist for our regular show when we don't have a composer on or when I just don't decide to pick them all myself because I'm feeling selfish. Uh, leave us an iTunes review or rating, or should I say Apple Podcasts now. I need to update that in my head. Uh, or wherever else you get your podcast from. We also have a Patreon. If you've enjoyed this show and want to support us keeping on doing what we're doing and the time and effort we put into it, patreon.com slash Rince. And from the next issue of the Cana Rince podcast onwards, patrons will get a link to download the show one week ahead of everybody else. We also have a merch store, shop.spreadshirt.co.uk slash Cana Rince. And you can buy excellent, cool, high quality T-shirts and bags with the Cana Rince and or Sound of Play logos on. So uh, before we hear about Matthew's final pick, well, first of all, very much thank you for coming on, Matthew, and uh, telling us about all this uh, fascinating work you've been doing with these games that, yeah, perhaps are a bit, a bit less of a mystery to us now. Well, um, yeah, and do- yeah, well, yeah, I mean, thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun, actually. <laughs> like, yeah, good I, stuff. I appreciate it. We always like it when a, when a guest has enjoyed themselves. Uh, so, uh, yeah, where, where can people find your work? Anything anything you want to plug at all, social media or, uh, yeah, sound, you, have, you have SoundCloud, um, whatever. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you can find me on Facebook, Matthew Carl Earl. And, I mean, if you message me there, I, I will respond and just friend me, ask me anything. Uh, Instagram is also Matthew Carl Oral, one word. Twitter, Matthew Carl Oral, one word. I keep it, keep it pretty simple. Good job. <laughs> our, our, our company, our company website is hexneaudio.com. And that'll also link to, uh, the Hexney Audio SoundCloud. And that's where you can find a lot of the, the latest stuff I've done. I still, I've been slacking on, <laughs> on uploading some of my later stuff to, uh, my personal SoundCloud. So. Oh, no worries. Uh, and are there any, uh, have you got tracks in, uh, work in, in games that we can perhaps seek out a bit more easy, easily, more easily than these 10 cent games? Is there anything we should look out for any indie games or anything on steam or anything like that? Hmm. Uh, yeah, there's, um, 
there's a game called ICU. Uh-huh. It was uh it was uh developed by a by a USC team actually, but it was a really interesting horror game. That was kind of neat. Um I I can't remember if that's that's out on Steam now or not, but uh It's out somewhere possibly. But but that was that was pretty fun to work on. I I really like horror and I I don't get to do that much of it. Yeah. There's that and um I I do a, a lot of work with MobilityWare. They release lots of uh uh like casual casino games and stuff like that but that's actually a lot more fun than than mm. it sounds because they do like such thematic stuff where yeah. like they'll have like like really beautiful like <laughs> like like scenes for each of these things so some of the music is like really dramatic and like beautiful yeah, yeah. And, and and some of it's just like really cool and chill and it's it's a lot of fun to work on actually so yeah we had uh veteran american games composer george sanger on recently and oh, he yeah. uh, uh he uh he's done a ton of work on um uh slots and uh so yeah uh so that's a similar sort of thing in that it's a you know it's a bit of a a, a branch from our normal sort of video game sphere but he was saying that actually you get to do a lot of really interesting stuff kind of in those uh yeah those places but perhaps you wouldn't necessarily expect um yeah Right, so final piece from uh, this sound of play, and uh, this is also from Moonlight Blade. Uh, tell us about village life, Jinghu, sure. Jinghu, yeah. Jinghu. Yeah, Jinghu. Yeah, Jinghu. I, I I chose this one because uh, it like it it shows a good contrast against the the previous one we played, yeah. where it's like this is a little bit more more bright and sunny. But this was actually the first track uh, that I wrote for the game, and mm. this was when we were like kind of experimenting with like what the sound of the game should be mm. and um we kept writing stuff and then uh the audio director was saying no this is too chinese we want to keep it like really <laughs> western and a little bit more ambiguous and we're like okay cool and <laughs> um and we were doing that but we weren't figuring out like what the sound really should be and we we finally we came to it and we, we pulled up a reference actually of appalachian spring and uh not as like a, a musical reference, but more of like as a harmonic reference mm. in, in as he avoids using triads and he, he builds chords out of using like fourths and fifths and sevens and stuff like that. And that's what I did in this track. There's actually no triads like mm -hmm. in its truest form. They're implied, but there's no actual major or minor triads. So we called it non-tertiary harmony and all the chords Ooh. are built out of fourths, fifths or sevenths, which effectively makes them kind of like either clusters or suspended chords and stuff, but it kind of gives it a cool, ambiguous sound. That's gone way over my head, <laughs> my <laughs> level of musical expertise, but uh, no, it sounds, I'm sure it, uh, a lot of our listeners will have understood. Um, does this mean uh, that you uh, studied, majored in music theory or, or any, or are you, are you self-taught? Uh, mo mostly self-taught. I, I left high school a little early so I could go to my uh, uh, local community college and then I studied uh, music with the professor there. So I learned like harmony and a little right. bit of counterpoint and orchestration and stuff. And then, and then I just bought books, <laughs> just read books and stuff like that. But wow, so impressive. Uh, well, it's paid off for you anyway. Uh, so m wonderful stuff. Thank you again, Matthew. And we'll leave you listeners with Village Life Jinghu from Moonlight Blade.